0: I think if I could kind of summarize what I learned in one sentence that kind of encapsulates everything is I learned that God is most honored when I live within the limits that he's allowed me to have.
1: missionary life. What is it? And who does this kind of thing? Welcome to the Inlander podcast, where we explore the missionary journey through interviews with people serving across a spectrum of places and ministries. Men and women who have left good jobs, sold homes, and said goodbye to the comfortable and familiar, all in answer to Christ's call to share his love among the nations. From remote desert outposts to the bustling streets of some of Africa's busiest urban centers, we look at what it means to pack up a life and follow Christ to the ends of the earth.
2: Susan, welcome to the Inlander podcast. I'm so glad to have you today. I'm excited that we just get to hear a little bit of your story as Ames Counseling Liaison. Maybe a lot of people don't even know that you're on our staff who listen. And so excited for them to hear your story and for us to have a conversation about mental health and missions and the overall missionary experience from this lens. So welcome.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
2: Awesome. So we usually like to start the podcast with just a little introduction about who you are, how you kind of ended up with AIM in the missions and mental health world. Just share a little bit of your story
0: with us. Okay. Well, to begin with, uh, my story is kind of long because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let me just share a little bit about how this all kind of happened. I grew up in a a very loving uh, Christian home. Uh, my parents were very interested in missions and, and um, supported missionaries. They um, We had missionaries stay in our home, and that was a really wonderful thing, and I thought that was great for other people. Uh-huh. I did not have any interest in being involved in missions myself, uh, despite the fact that my Mm. brother had done, had been involved in mission some. But over the course of um, the years I was in college, God just very gradually changed my heart. Um, Mm. And my senior year of college, when the Urbana 1987 uh, came along, Urbana is a missions conference for college age and above that happens every three years. I was really excited to go to Urbana, which was a huge departure from three years previously (laughs) when I had thought about going to Urbana only very briefly and decided not Mm -hmm. to. I was afraid if I went that God would make me be a missionary. (laughs) So I um, had, yeah, I I applied. I connected with AIM at Urbana and applied uh, during my senior year um, was accepted and, um, raised support. And I graduated from college in May and left for Riff Valley Academy in August. So wow, it was pretty quick once, once the Lord changed my heart and just made me open to what he was calling me to, then I was like excited and ready to go. So that was a, a wonderful thing. I went to RVA as a, an English teacher and a dorm mom initially and found that I loved the interactions with kids, uh, but I didn't love teaching. And I feel like kids need teachers that love teaching. Too. <laughs> yes. So um, after three years, um, I went back to the States, came back to the States and to get my master's degree in counseling. So okay. that's how that initially started.
2: Yeah. So how did you decide, I want to get a counseling degree?
0: It was something that I had always been interested in, even since high school. Um, but counseling or psychology at that point didn't seem like a very marketable degree. And so um, <laughs> I opted for something that was more marketable, um, English education, and, um, and did that. Uh, but yeah, realized, oh, my heart is really in the one-on-ones with kids. And so, so that's what made me decide to, yeah, go back to um, study counseling, specifically to provide counseling for um, kids at RVA. Um, that was where I felt like the Lord was calling me. And um, so that's yeah where I went.
2: Yeah. Okay. And so then after you got that mm-hmm.
0: degree, is that what happened? You went back to RVA as a counselor? Yep. Mm-hmm. I um, okay. was in the States for three years and went back to RVA as a counselor um, in 1994. And then I uh, spent the next 24 years counseling MKs and missionary families at Rift Valley Academy. So, mm-hmm. wow,
2: wow. So, in all of this and serving for 24 years at RVA, I know you're married, so when did that come into play? How did you meet your husband? Share a little bit of your personal story with that with us.
0: Yeah, that's a really special story. Um, when I went to Urbana in 1987, I um, really wrestled with the idea of going to the mission field as, as a single, because I thought if I go mm-hmm. single, I, I might never get married. And I really wrestled with that. And the Lord just gave me peace about it. Lots of tears, lots of talking to friends and all that, but God gave me peace about it. So um, just about three months after I arrived in Kenya, the the brother of one of my uh, colleagues came to visit and he was traveling around the world on his bike. Um, and <laughs> came to Africa to see his sister on, on his way around the world. And during that time, a group of us were planning to climb Mount Kenya. Um, that was during our school break in December. And um, there were a group of 10 of us that went together to to climb the mountain. And we had booked through a, a uh, climbing company there. And we got there, and we found out that, that the climbing company for the 10 of us had had booked 19 people to help us get up the mountain. So a cook, a guide, and uh, 17 porters.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And we were so
0: embarrassed (laughs) that this was the case. So we all kind of swore ourselves to secrecy, like, no, we will never tell anybody this. Um, Oh, my gosh. But as we we did that climb, I got to know uh, my colleague, Diane's brother, John, And um, on the final ascent, we left at 2.30 in the morning from the camp and we were climbing in the dark in order to get to the peak at daybreak so that we could see because it was uh, the clouds often came in later in the morning. And about 4.30 in the morning, uh, my friend Diane slipped on the glacier and she uh, just flew down past us.
2: Oh my gosh. And
0: and her brother John jumped out to try to land on top of her and stop her, and he went flying down past her. Well, she went about two hundred feet, and he he felt he went about one hundred and fifty feet down this glacier, and they were both stopped from going over a cliff, but they were stopped by big boulders in the ice, and so um, Diane was unconscious. John had. Uh, broken his shoulder we found out later but he was you know he was in a lot of pain but she was unconscious and so uh, that day that was a very long day of of doing our own rescue because at that time there were no uh, cell phones there were no radios um, to rescue to radio for help and so um, we spent 14 hours um, carrying her down off the mountain, and those all those extra porters ended up being such a huge blessing. We had no oh idea gosh, that we I would bet. need them to carry her. You know, we so oh we were gosh. all um, all carrying extra packs and things in order to get get her off the mountain. So wow. anyway, that. That uh, slowed down John's travels, and he ended up staying in Kenya for about three months where we got to know each other and, um, and fall in love. And so um, he ended up after that three months going coming back to the States and then um, a year later coming back to Kenya to work at RBA with me, and um, we got engaged there. Actually, in front of the whole student body.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I love that. Oh, and um, came back to the states and got married, and both went to grad school. Then, so. Oh
2: yeah. man, that is so awesome. That really could be a movie. That could. It be could.
0: A movie. It could. It was. It was a long, <laughs> dramatic day. Oh, I should tell yeah. you, Diane did fully recover. Um, <laughs> hey, Diane. She's she healthy. is, <laughs> she's gone on to learn several more languages and is a Bible translator in Chad.
2: Oh, yes. amazing. Okay. Diane's good. We're glad yes. Diane's good. We're really happy though that. Yes. Got married. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, man, that is so mm-hmm. cool. So now even as someone who's been in this work for a couple of decades, uh, before we jump into all of my very now in today's world mission questions, would you give our listeners an overview even of kind of where missions and mental health culture has been in the last few decades? Even as you mentioned in your story, it didn't seem like a marketable degree Mm -hmm. at that time. Now, I feel like people are getting psych degrees like left and right. Uh, Yeah. So would you give our audience just an overview of kind of what you saw in those previous years and then we can kind of jump into what you're seeing today. Sure.
0: Uh, When I first went back to RVA in 1994 and was offering counseling, there was a real, a big stigma Um, among the students. They were hesitant, some of them, but especially among parents. Um, They were uh, really concerned about this. A lot of a lot of people were just very unsure. Um, there was kind of a, a feeling that all of the answers to life's problems would be found in the Bible, and that there was shouldn't be a need for anything outside of of mm. Scripture. And um, it's been interesting to see over time um, a growing openness because of of the clear needs of um, of missionary kids, of missionaries themselves, um, for families as a whole, and um, just an openness to God meeting us and providing for our needs in many different ways, and so it's been a real privilege to be kind of a part of that and just watch that transition happen, and now I'm just really delighted with um, the, the openness and give and take that we have um, as a missionary community in providing mental health care and receiving mental health care.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about the struggle of the Bible is sufficient. But something that I find interesting as someone who's been in counseling, so much of the Bible is stories. Mm-hmm. And we reckon things and learn about God through mm-hmm. stories. And, I mean, I feel like so much of counseling is working through your story Mm -hmm. and, like, processing where you've been, how you got to where you are now, where you're going, and, like, just reckoning that with another person. Mm -hmm. And even as we look at God, who is, you know, three in one, triune, like, in community, telling these stories, working through stories in Scripture, I'm like, man, that's an awesome connection we can really make between Scripture and working in counseling. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, very much.
2: So what kind of, so there was the stigma back then, what kind of mental health, you know, I don't want to say issues, but maybe challenges were students and families facing, you know, 20 years ago, as opposed to now? Are they different, the same? Are we talking, you know, a lot of depression and anxiety? Are people kind of leaning toward one or the other because of different things that are different in our culture today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some differences there?
0: Yeah. I think when I first started um, working with kids in counseling, I saw, I was seeing more depression. That was just the much more common issue to see is, um, and over time, it's been interesting to see that kind of shift to uh, being more um, anxiety based, a, a lot more anxiety. And that's that's not just true of missionaries and uh, missionary kids and families. It's really um, a cultural shift that we've seen um, across, across the world in mental health. Um, hmm. One of the things that has that several studies have have shown to be the case is that there, there's been a, a big uptick in anxiety since the the smartphone became readily accessible and mm-hmm. with it, social media. And so that's something that's just a very common thing now to much more common now, um, even than depression. Although sometimes they, they coexist, there's depression along with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about
0: why that correlation exists? Yeah, with, with social media, uh, a lot of times people look at other people's lives and they see the best of everything um, that everyone else is posting and compare it to their own lives and oftentimes come up feeling short in some way. Um, Mm. whether it's I'm missing out on things that other people are doing or whether it is all these people are happy and having fun and everything in their lives is perfect to um, my life is not perfect.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like that comparison issue Mm -hmm. leads to maybe like a lot of feeling empty and Wondering why maybe you aren't good enough to have a perfect life like they do Mm -hmm. or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like too, COVID even most recently just made it all way worse with anxiety. Just when you're taken out of the context of, yeah, let's be Mm -hmm. social to you can't socialize at all. I mean, do you feel like, have you heard even maybe at RVA or just around that kids are having trouble socializing since COVID?
0: I think that's kind of a common thing around the world. There's a lot of concern about young people today um, because of the limitations that they experienced, you know, during the worst of the, the COVID pandemic. And so um, it's not, yeah, the missionary kids are affected by those things as well. Yeah. They, they experienced those challenges too. There's certain situations that are more conducive to kids um, connecting Certainly any in-person um, connections seem to be healthier and and to be a buffer against um, against anxiety and depression um, that that maybe a lot of kids were missing.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah so. In light of all of that, as we're talking about some of the hard in being overseas, in taking your kids overseas, do you have just any encouragement or advice for those who are even listening now and they're like, man, this sounds hard. Sounds like I'm going to put my kid through some challenging circumstances. But do you have any encouragement just as a mental health professional for these families or individuals who are considering going overseas and just even – mentally preparing, or just encouragement in how God sustains us and provides resources for us when we do face those challenges? Yeah, I
0: think preparing ourselves in every area of life is, is really helpful. Um, preparing ourselves spiritually, mentally, um, physically, and emotionally, just being healthy people. Uh, and being intentional about developing and and um, caring for that for our health in the, in all those ways is important, and that really has a big impact on our children as well. Our our kids' number one most important earthly asset is is their parents, and mm-hmm. their children's coping with difficult things is often tied to their parents coping. Um, so uh, we've all seen on, on airplanes, the, the little video that they show at the beginning and the flight attendants with their um, mask showing us that it's important to put your own mask on first before putting a child's mask on. And that, that's really important in this arena as well for, for parents to care for their own health so that they can better care for their children's health. You know, feeling anxious and and stressed and things like that, um, those, those are feelings that, that are common to people. And those aren't wrong. But how we respond to those things, uh, whether we choose positive or negative coping behaviors, makes a big difference in how our children respond to their own stresses.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like the more we can nail those habits down in an environment Mm -hmm. we know and we understand rather than trying to enforce those habits in an area that's a new culture and you're learning language and there's those stressors, if those habits have already been formed and, like, deeply ingrained in you as a parent, it'll be easier to carry them over, I would assume. Yes, for
0: sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you have any resources you could maybe share with families who are preparing or thinking about applying to go overseas, maybe like TCK resources or uh, resources just that are holistic for the family that uh, you could offer that they can look at to maybe get a deeper glimpse into what life might be like for them?
0: Sure. There are lots of great resources out there, thankfully. Um, And that wasn't the case years ago. So this is a a wonderful new development over the last probably 10, (laughs) 10, 15 years. Um, You know, a a great organization that's been around for a long time, actually originated with an AIM missionary um, is Interaction International. And um, they, they provide and have provided for many years, great resources for um, third culture kids, from MKs, for, um, and for families as they as they serve overseas. Some other ones, um, there's an organization called TCK Training that provides support for parents in uh, caring well for their kids and helping their kids process the the challenges that they face. They also provide care for the whole family. Um, and there are lots of great resources there. And just some online resources that are good. There's so many. Um, there's a, a blog called A Life Overseas. That's a great blog. Mm. Um, and Global Trellis is another good one. So lots of, there are lots of great resources out there.
2: Awesome. Earlier, you mentioned and touched on the fact that some nervousness is normal and stress is normal. I feel like as we look at Gen Z, younger generations, even teenagers today, you know, the words or the phrase, I have anxiety, or I, you know, is tossed around social media and things like that in these circles. Can you help our audience understand some of what it's like to differentiate between an average level of human anxiety and nervousness, or hesitation, or even sadness and grief, versus, hey, we might be looking at an anxiety disorder, depression, you know, disorder, things like that, just so people can have a little bit more clarity. I could see people easily counting themselves mm-hmm. out of even applying before, you know, just because they think, well, I get so nervous in social situations. And it's like, well, maybe those are things we can work on. And it doesn't count you out of going overseas.
0: Absolutely. It does not count you out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all feel stressed or anxious at some points in our lives. We do. Um, When we're encountering encountering unknowns or even when we're encountering knowns that we don't like. For me, (laughs) public speaking. (laughs) Um, And that's a reaction to stress. That's when there's a stressor there. We respond in different ways, but often feeling some anxiety. Anxiety disorders are really a, a step Beyond just the normal level of anxiety that everybody feels to some degree. And that kind of develops from a a complex set of risk factors things like genetics, if there's a family history there, brain chemistry, we're all made differently, and personality. uh, Some of us just tend to be more anxious than others. And life events sometimes can trigger something. That might not otherwise be an issue for us, and that that can take several different forms. Um, it can look like a generalized anxiety. It can look like um, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, and so several there. There's several different ways that that may manifest. But one good thing to know about about the, even the different levels of anxiety is that. They're they're highly treatable, and so having some anxiety does not does not discount you. Um, how you respond to that really makes a big difference. And so, I just encourage people that kind of wonder, like, well, could I handle something like this? That there's a lot that you can do to learn healthy ways of coping. We all can. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, uh, when I was um, applying to A.I.M. and meeting with a counselor to for my evaluation, they told me on your testing you show that you are very low on change. You really don't like change. So we wonder, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was true. I mean, I was I was a homebody. It was not. It was not necessarily my my initiative. It wasn't my initiative. It was what God was Mm -hmm. calling me into. And he was calling me into something that was outside my comfort zone, but something that he had created me to do. And yes, I would bump up against my um, inadequacies, but those were opportunities for for God to... um, To show up and to show his power and his goodness and care in the midst of my own inadequacies. Hmm.
2: That's so good. So, you touched on your own story in seeing God meet you intimately in the midst of those inadequacies being right in your face as you went overseas and were obedient to God's call, which to me, sounds like some of what we're talking about with, yes, I have some of these uncomfortable feelings or a little bit of anxiety, you know, yet I can work through them. Could you flesh out a little more of what it looked like for you to walk that out with the Lord and in community, just so people can get a picture of what dealing with some of those feelings overseas may feel like Mm -hmm. for them?
0: Yeah, sure. I'd I'd be happy to share a little bit of my story. Um, you know, I told you that that um, I was yeah low on change. That was not a that was not a a, bit, a thing that I I loved or enjoyed. The Lord did you know very graciously meet me and help me. A few years later, though. Um, in, in 2003, I had, um, i have been working as a counselor at RVA for nine years at that point. And um, I had two little kids and um, my husband was working at RVA as well. And I kind of hit a wall of burnout. And when I talked to you about earlier about the different uh, set of factors that kind of contributed, yes, they were, they were. Um, there were genetic factors, there were brain chemistry factors, personality and life events, all of those that contributed to mm-hmm. my hitting a wall of burnout. And for me, what that, how that manifested was in anxiety, just really difficult anxiety, um, lots of physical symptoms and emotional symptoms. And um, at that point, um, I talked to my uh, supervisors and we agreed I would take a leave of absence. We stayed at RVA for the next few months um, while we finished our term there, um, but I was concentrating at that point on learning how to be healthy again, uh, recovering uh, from the burnout and learning learning what what to do to be a healthy person. And we, Came back to the states then for our home assignment um, and spent some time, kind of in an intensive, um, getting some help with with that anxiety and how to how to go back as as a healthier person, more able to deal with the um, the stressors in in healthy ways. Um, it was it was twenty one months from beginning to end uh, to when I went back and picked up in counseling again. And it was just very clear at that time that the Lord was saying, okay, you're ready now. And I probably wouldn't have necessarily on my own thought, okay, I'm ready now. (laughs) But the Lord just made it clear, you're ready. I've done what I needed to do in you. Um, You're ready to go back to it. So I picked back up um, and served another 15 years there, and then five years since, it's been 20 years since that burnout. Um, but at that point, it was um, it was it was a very vulnerable time, but a time that God used um, to make me more hearty and resilient um, mm-hmm. and to give me insight, Uh, not just on a cognitive level of what people are experiencing when they experience things like anxiety and burnout, but um, on a real, I could really empathize with people going through these, Mm. these difficulties. So there are times when you can be on the field and get the help that's needed there. There are times when it's best to go back to your home country and, and take, time that's needed there to um, to recover and and be able to step back into ministry in a healthy way.
2: Out of that story, I even am wondering what did some of those healthy practices that you were putting into practice look like when you went back? Mm -hmm. Like were there boundaries involved in your lifestyle? would you kind of delve into what it did look like to go back as someone who was pursuing holistic health as a mm-hmm. missionary?
0: Yeah, there were, I mean, there were several pieces to that. Um, one of them was making sure that I got good sleep and enough sleep. Mm. Um, yeah. It. I mean, I can't, I can't <laughs> emphasize enough how important that is. And um I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, you know, getting stuff done is more important than than sleeping. Not not so not for our, not for our overall <laughs> health. <laughs> so get, getting enough sleep was really important. Exercise was also hugely important. And I had done that very, you know, I'd done that to some degree throughout my life, but that became a real important, pretty much daily practice for me was um, getting some exercise. Time spent with the Lord um, was absolutely essential. Um, every day, It's, it's, it was since that time, it was far less of a, this is a discipline I should do, and it became, this is a lifeline that I need. If I'm going to, mm. if I'm going to stay connected to Jesus and serve Him the way He's called me to, um, mm. boundaries too. Like there were things I needed to do differently in, um, as far as time spent with my family, keeping, you know, limiting where things needed to happen. My my work needed to happen at the office and home needed to be just home and um, so there were things like that 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 I had to be careful of. I feel like Sabbath and retreat um, are really important things and one of my supervisors um, encouraged me to start taking um, a silent retreat day once a month and that was mm-hmm. hugely um, impactful for me, um, just each month having that a chunk of time to sit, sit down and just really listen to what God had to say mm-hmm. to me, not to study, not to um, go through a prayer list or anything, but really listen.
2: Mm. Yeah, man, that's really good. Those are such good tips. Uh, I think about our missionaries living in remote places, really busy places where there's just ever-present needs or opportunities you could pursue. Mm -hmm. So some of those boundaries you're talking about, like, this is when I'm going to do this. This is when I'm going to spend dedicated time for my family. I feel like even in my own life, it's so easy to try to constantly intertwine the Mm -hmm. two. Like, well, we can go out, but if we meet someone, you know, at the park, like we're going to bring them back home and have them for dinner. And it's like, you know, our kids need that time of it's just us. And I need that time of the lines aren't blurred Mm -hmm. in my
0: life. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think if I could kind of summarize what I learned in one sentence um, that kind of encapsulates everything is I learned that God is most honored within when I live within the limits that He's allowed me to have, and mm-hmm. those limits may be physical limits, they may be emotional limits, they may be, um, you know, it, social limits. But but when I live within the limits that He's allowed me, then He actually is most honored. Mm. That is so good. As soon as
2: you started talking the classic John Piper quote came into my head, the what is it? He's most honored when we're or glorified when we're most satisfied in him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I love that as well. That's true and that's also true the living as dependent children is so like good and honoring to mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I feel like we see that a lot in Sabbath too, and choosing to rest instead of do, like you mm-hmm. mentioned. Man, that's really good. Do you have any final words of advice or just encouragement for those who are considering going overseas?
0: Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times people think, well, if I'm if I'm following God, um, i I'll be okay um I don't need to take any certain precautions. I don't need to do anything just as long as I'm following hard after Jesus um, you know whatever difficulties I've had in the past they're not gonna they're not gonna bother me and you know the reality is that we're gonna face big stressors the Uh, Larry and Lois Dodds of HeartStream Resources did a study of stress among missionaries, and they found that the stressors among missionaries were um, far higher than expected, um, and first-term missionaries even higher. And so the stresses are there, and the fact that we we are following the Lord does not mean that we're not going to experience those and and sometimes, um, you know, be really impacted by them. But what we can do on the front end is to really become an expert at dealing with stress in a healthy way. Mm. And so that's what that would be my encouragement: is look at look at how you're dealing with stress on a day to day basis now, and are there any changes that you might need to make in how you're dealing with it, and then even helping your family as well with that. Mm. And as real as the stressors are, there's another thing that is just as real, and that is God's grace in the midst of it. And so I just uh, share that as a as a as an encouragement and a hope. Like, yeah, there will be stressors because that's that's normal. That's a part of what we're called into this world. Um, mm-hmm. In this world, we'll have tribulations. I mean, there are going to be challenges, but we we have the presence of of Jesus throughout and the Holy Spirit in in us, and that makes a world of difference.
2: Hmm. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being on Mm -hmm. with us. I so appreciate your time. I was so excited when I thought of you to interview because I think As you and I even mentioned today, that mental health is just a big topic these days and demystifying some of the missionary experience I think is so important. Mm. So thank you so much. And I will leave some of those resource links for people and I'll chat with you later.
0: Thank you. Good to be with you.
1: for listening to this episode of the Inlander podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. Inlander is a production of Africa Inland Mission, a Christian mission agency dedicated to outreach among Africa's remaining unreached peoples. For more about our work and how you can get involved, visit us at aimus.org, or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. For additional information and resources, see the show notes. And thanks again for listening.